I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. Have you noticed that in the past week, it's been very difficult to, to you know, pay attention to any news other than the presidential election? Well, listen, I can guarantee you that there was much happening in addition to votes being cast and tabulated and then the, uh, the talking head types uh, stewing over the results, folks like me. There was much more going on. In fact, uh, it was just last Tuesday, a week ago, that there was a meeting of the Board of Education of the Salt Lake City School District. During that meeting, there was a presentation made by Interim Superintendent Larry Madden. Uh, I'll let him speak for himself. He'll join us in just a moment. But what he presented to the board was a pathway back to the classroom for students within the district. Uh, it, uh, it had some details, and it is a, a plan unlike one that I have seen implemented yet here in the state of Utah. But uh, to hear him explain it, uh, it seems to make a bit of sense. And so let's uh, let's be joined now by uh, Larry Madden, interim superintendent. Mr. Madden, sir, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Tell me, tell me about uh, what you shared with the board last Tuesday. Yeah, so I, I shared a model um, with the board last Tuesday about about how we uh, could potentially safely reenter schools, and what it was was a, a, a phased approach. So we would look at uh, bringing back our pre-K one students first. Um, you know, taking a taking just a brief pause and then bringing back two, three, and then again, you know, maybe a week or something, take a brief pause, bring back four, five, six. And it'd be a way for uh, schools to kind of adjust to um, the change. Uh, we're, we're all remote right now, and folks have been putting all their effort into that. So it would be a big change, but it would allow some adjustment to that. And start with the, um, start with the students that um, – it seemed to be the opportunity, um, just based on the, the things that we keep learning as we move forward and find out more about the virus. Talk to me a little bit more about the models you drew from. Have you seen this uh, this plan implemented elsewhere? There have been some other folks that have done some phase-in kinds of things. I know that there are some other places, uh, even around the world, where um, the school uh, school districts have brought back lower grades and uh, kept the secondary schools remote. Uh, you can find almost anything, actually, if you go out there and look. Yeah. But um, we've been having, you know, we've been having conversations with the Salt Lake County Health Department, um, Utah Department of Health, and been working with a guy in the effect, infectious disease uh, infectious disease pediatrician from the University of Utah. And really trying to look at um, one of the things I did mention was this kind of unique natural experiment that we have here in Utah where we have, you know, one school district that's remote surrounded by all these districts that are back in person. And we're still trying to gather some data on that to determine um, really to determine the value in that. Like, does it does it make a difference? Uh, do we reduce risk? Because we, we assume that, but we'd like to we'd like something a little more definitive uh, to guide us in that. How did the board respond to your proposal last Tuesday night? Um, I, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, we, we're, we just uh, taken more information. Um, 
these are really, really hard decisions. I didn't actually expect them to make a decision on this. I just wanted to present it as a model. Um, it's difficult because, I mean, right now with the surge we have, uh, it's um, you know there's there's definitely some plenty of concern out there, and it's and it's real. Um, so I think they're uh, you know I, I feel like they I feel like they take it in and and they've got to weigh the pros and cons and um, you know ultimately at some point they'll they'll make some decision one way or the other. My understanding is that they'd like to get some parental input. They want to hear how uh, parents feel. Have you yourself had many interactions with with parents? Uh, Have you been able to share this plan with anyone uh, outside the board and get any feedback? Well, we've um, we've gotten a lot of feedback. Um, You know, tons of emails every day. I know board members have have uh, have gotten some too. The thing is, it's the I don't know what to make of it exactly because it's kind of like everything uh, that has to do with this along the way is there's a group of people that say, yeah, that's awesome. Let's start phasing kids back into school. And there's another group that says, wow, things have not been worse than they are right now. Why would we, why would we do such a thing at this point in time? And so um, I think we're getting, we are getting a lot of feedback. I know schools are too, and they share that with us as well, but it's, um, it's, it's all kinds of, it's all kinds of feedback. Is in your proposal that you presented again to the school board, Salt Lake City School District Board, uh, and again, folks, we're, we're speaking with Larry Madden, interim superintendent, uh, about a plan that he presented to the school district board just last week, last Tuesday. In your plan, there is an option to to still withhold students from the classroom, right? Should parents choose? Absolutely, and at whatever point our board decided to bring kids back into the classroom, even in this phased-in model. We would maintain an online option for anybody that wanted to remain remote. That's it. We're absolutely committed to that. What uh, and I won't ask you to speak on behalf of the board, certainly. But to what uh, to your knowledge, what what is their next step here? Is it gathering information? Uh, will this be well, an agenda item on a subsequent meeting? Yeah, I think it'll be an agenda item on a subsequent meeting, and I'm I'm not exactly sure. Um, you know, we have another meeting next Tuesday. Um, I'm not sure that it's going to be on that agenda. We have another one on the 1st of December, and then there's a little bit of a hiatus till the 5th of January. So, um, you know, it's it's um, a lot of it's up to them. I mean, we'll we'll keep sharing information. Um, we'll we'll keep keep digging in, keep learning stuff, uh, try to present them with options and information that they can use to to guide a, a discussion. Um, they're they have different feelings about it, and I I don't I don't blame any of them for that. This is really this is really tough stuff, and um, you know people kind of on either side of it. They they've got valid points, uh, valid concerns, and it's always hard to know how it affects any individual or what they've got going on in the background that might affect how they feel on it too. So we try to stay sensitive to that. Looking at the calendar of uh, board. Uh, meetings, it, uh, it it looks like there, there's no way to you know reliably predict any kind of timeline on this. But what I do notice is that uh, you know the, the the plan requires a good deal of time itself, and uh, you know the the further this is kicked down the road in terms of an agenda item on a board meeting, uh, right. it, it seems like you run out of time at some point. Well, right. I mean, the thing is, you're absolutely right. Is it's not like we can make a decision on a Tuesday and bounce back the next Monday because while we've taken um, survey data on and ask people whether they would prefer to stay remote or not, that was really just a survey to get a feel for it. We would have to actually then get an answer from every single family uh, as to who would want to remain remote and who would want to uh, come back to some in-person model. 
and and then at that point then we have to then we have to start working on the on the teacher end of it and making sure that we've got our teachers assigned as many as we need for remote and as many as we need for in person and i think that could I think that's going to vary quite a bit from school to school. Um, we may have schools where there's a very large portion of people that want to come back in person, and we may have others where there's a very large portion of uh, kids that want to remain entirely remote. Understood. Uh, Larry Madden, Interim Superintendent with the Salt Lake City School District, thank you for your time. Thank you for explaining your proposal to us here on these airwaves. Thank you, Lee. All righty. That again, uh, Larry Madden, interim superintendent. Now, you heard there's a key point to all of this, and it really is the views and attitudes of parents. And it uh, has been telegraphed to by, in some degree, by the Board of Education, which meets again on Tuesday, the 17th of November, that the next step in this process uh, will have much to do with the preferences of parents. Now, the 17th is some way off. Maybe we can help speed things along. Why don't you get on the phone with me right now? Share with me your views. Should uh, the Salt Lake City School District implement uh, some sort of plan, as has been proposed by Larry Madden? Uh, Should they open the doors, let students back in, or are they in a safe position right now? The number is 801-575-8255. 801-KSL-TALK is the number. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. Let's have a conversation about the Salt Lake City School District. In class, out of class, some hybrid model therein. Uh, I want to hear from you next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Live Mike. In the final half hour of today's episode, uh, we have been discussing the Salt Lake City School District, specifically a proposal which was presented to the board by Interim Superintendent Larry Madden. He, a guest on this program just moments ago, described that program, described that proposal, uh, and it essentially is a phased return to the classroom, starting with the youngest children, uh, them coming back to school first, uh, teachers and administrators and all the experts watching, uh, keeping a close eye on how that goes. And should good results be yielded by the youngsters return to school, uh, then you move on to an older age group on and on until uh, you've demonstrated a safe circumstance for all students and we're all back together. Now, that all stems from the fact that the Salt Lake City School District is the the one district in the state uh, which does not allow an option for uh, students to be in the classroom. It's been that way since, what, last April or so? And it continues today. Now, according to the interim superintendent, uh, Larry Madden, he let us know that the next step likely would be for the board to solicit input by the public. Now, the board's not scheduled to meet again until the 17th, and so I thought maybe we'll uh, take advantage of the time uh, you and I have here chatting with one another to to gather up some input. Maybe we'll send it over to the board, uh, help them along the way as they make their decisions. We'll start uh, with Jenny from Salt Lake City. Jenny, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm all right. I'm grateful to you for listening and calling in. What do you think about all this, and what's your circumstance at home? You know, I have three children in the Salt Lake City School District, and I'm a longtime member of the community, and I am beyond frustrated with the school board and, frankly, Larry Madden as well. They have completely fumbled this situation, and they have relied on backstabbing with each other and backdoor deals. And in the meantime, I watch my daughters day after day log into a computer and stare at a screen while their friends go to other districts, private schools, and they are left there. And I hear Larry Madden say, 
Well, you know, in a couple of weeks when we meet, I hope that we can have a longer discussion and we can figure this out. And then a couple of weeks after that, we'll meet. But that's a lot to a kid. One day is a lot. And it's been two months of this. They finish meetings with just saying, let's continue this conversation. And I sit and look at my children and don't know what to do. Jenny, if you, if you had complete control, what, what, what circumstances would you create? Would you have them back all in the classroom? Well, I think that um, I am sympathetic to teachers. I have a family full of teachers, and I want them to be safe. But I've lo- we've looked at these studies, and we've had the governor, the lieutenant governor, the state school board president, the state epidemiologist, and doctors talk to the school board and tell them that the school is not a spreader that this is safe, especially in grades K through six. And I think that it has been proven that this is safe. And that's my answer. I think we sat here for two months wondering how this is going to work. And we've seen every other district in the state see it work, especially in the elementary ages. Jenny, thanks so much for your call and best of luck to your children. Uh, moving along to Tyler calling from North Salt Lake. Tyler, what do you say about all this? Yeah, they need to open the schools back up. <clears throat> Me and my wife, we have a two-income household. Unless our kids are in school, <clears throat> we can't pay our bills because one of us can't go to work. You know, How am I supposed to pay my rent and my electricity if both me and my wife cannot go to work? This is really punishing low-income households. What do you say to? And I don't see how they can get away with that. What do you say to, to member the uh, members of the school board who may push back and say, "Hey, listen, for the safety of all involved, we got to uh, keep up this remote deal." How do you? What do you think about that? If you want your kids to learn remotely, let them do that. I should have an option to send my kids to school. That's why I pay taxes. Fair enough, Tyler. Listen, if thanks. my kids aren't going to be allowed to go to school. I need that tax money back. That way I can pay for a sitter. Yeah. Uh, Tyler, listen, I, uh, I hear the frustration in your voice. I'm pleased that you'd call in and share it here. Uh, thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of the program. Uh, Tess, next up from Salt Lake, has some thoughts. Tess, what do you say about this? I think everybody in the county needs to be on the same thing. It's not fair that students within miles of each other get different opportunities. The, 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 you know, the, the argument being that, you know, once they're in the classroom, all, all, all is equal. What, what's the difference between one block and the next if the dividing line is only a county? Well, even in Salt Lake School District, there's my son's in kindergarten and there's some kindergarten classrooms that are doing in person four times a week. There's some that aren't getting in person. There's some that have the option to go once a week for two hours or for two hours every day. The district is different everywhere you go. Mm. Uh, well, listen, Tessa, I'm grateful to you for the call. We're, I'm going to take this uh, this segment, and we podcast each day's episode. We're going to uh, send the link over to the school board so they can hear exactly from uh, from you, uh, from Tyler, from Jenny. And next, uh, I'll welcome Sarah to the program from Sugar House. Uh, Sarah, what do you say about all this? Yeah, hi. Thanks for having us on. I agree with Jenny, Tyler, and Tess. And I'm a mom that has six children. I moved to my school district and my school for the purpose of a great education. In the meantime, I was forced into a box where I had to send my four school-age children to a private school. So I don't have any children that are online learning right now, and they're all in the private school, and it's so unfair. 
because my neighbors are home with their kids and they are struggling and we're struggling to make the private school work. And it's unfair. It's just not okay. And I'm, we're so tired of hearing Larry and the board say they need to discuss more. It, this is enough. We've seen the research. It's time to move on. Put your political feelings aside and do what's right for this community. That's my thought. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for that uh, call. We have uh, one last caller here I want to get on the air. Jason calling from Hill Air Force Base. Uh, Jason, what's your experience? What do you think? Uh, you know, my son is in high school. He, he's autistic. He has an IEP. And in his IEP, one of the things that he's not supposed to have to do is homework. He, he's, his brain works compartmentalized. So homework is work, you know, when you're home, you're home. When you're at school, you're at school. Well, he's violating every day that part of IEP. There's there's countless uh, items on his IEP that they are legally bound to supply him, and they're not doing it because they're keeping him at home. Uh, so academically, he's being being sold short. They're not living up to their to their legally bound IEP contract. He's losing something that other children are not as in need of. That for a, an autistic person to be in a social environment that is somewhat safe to learn how to be with people, he is losing that, and that is something he can never get back. It'll be a shortfall for him for the rest of his life, and it's. At this point, I think the the risk health-wise, especially in that age group, the risk health-wise is far undershadowed by what the kids are learning, losing by being in school. Yeah. Jason, listen, I, uh, I'm grateful to you for your call, uh, and I, you know, I sympathize with your experience. I wish you and your son nothing uh, but the best. You heard reference there by the caller to an IEP. I, many of you know, if you don't, it's Individualized Education Program, and that is when uh, you have a student or a child who has some unique needs. There is a program spelled out uh, in an effort to you know, make sure that they are receiving the best education possible. And you hear reference made to these IEPs all the time. Uh, that many of the students who are, uh, you know, within the Salt Lake City School District forced to do uh, online learning uh, and that IEP not being met, or at least the, the parameters within uh, not being met, that's going to be, uh, I, I predict, a pretty serious conversation. Once we return to some semblance of normalcy, uh, how do we make good on what was lost by those students in particular? Uh, we're going to take a break right now. When we return, we're going to wrap up the program uh, with a, a look at a phone call uh, that recently wrapped up. Uh, Senator Mitt Romney shared some thoughts with uh, with reporters about the election and how he feels uh, it is going and what he thinks should happen. We'll hear from Senator Romney next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America, but this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.